Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Uh, Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner with Alan Clopine, Big Al. He's a CPA. Um, hey, Social Security's got what a couple of different tweaks, huh? Well, every year they 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 have some changes, and I guess if you look at updates for this year, Joe, there is an increase. Uh, yeah, speaking but, of sexy, uh, but, <laughs> that's from Mary Beth Franklin. <laughs> yeah, that's right, huh? It is from Mary Beth. How'd you know? Yeah. So our increase, Joseph, uh, is 0.3 percent, uh, which to put in um, in dollar terms, the average retirement worker will get a five dollar monthly benefit increase. Killed it. Five five dollars. <laughs> PBR me. <laughs> ASAP. PBR. <laughs> That'll buy a case, right? <laughs> yeah, a month. At least a can. <laughs> At least a can. <laughs> but here's the problem: the the Medicare premium uh, went for, up for the average went up about four dollars a month. Solid. So you're only getting a buck. Yeah. You get, so you might not even get a can of PBR. Yeah, right. Maybe really... a six ounce draft at the local <laughs> dive bar. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I think you get a like, sip. Like on a Sunday from 10.30 to 11. Special. You got, you, super special. You got to hurry up and get there. So oh, Jeff, we did that. So I worked at a bar in uh, Gainesville, Florida. I went to the University of Florida. Yeah. And so Sun, we did. Sunday morning spe- church, oh, church special? We had, well, NASCAR. Big NASCAR oh, okay. people yeah. back in Gainesville. Okay. So, yeah, we would sell these Molson, Molson Ice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was just awful beer. Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anyone that enjoys that loves Molson that. Ice. All our listeners. What are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking Best about? Molson ever. Ice. Oh, it was cheap. It just stunk, you know, and it was like six bucks for like this little six ounce like glass. Yeah. Okay. Place is packed. <laughs> packed. And I'm just by the, just pouring six ounce drafts all day long. Six ounce. Okay. Yeah. And I probably poured 10,000 of them. Yeah. Made eight bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so hence you decided to go into financial planning. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and have you know, start your career. Six ounces for I think it was yeah, for a buck. Six for a buck. Ounces. Well there see there you go. Yeah. So you go back to Gainesville yeah, and there get you go. That, Watching you on NASCAR. That buck that yeah, you get eleven thirty to ten thirty to eleven special. There now what go. what they're saying is this is the smallest annual increase since the automatic uh, cost of living adjustments beca- began in nineteen seventy five, although there was actually three years where there was no increase. So I guess you really have to count those. 2010, 2011, 2016, there was no increase Well, because whatsoever. there's no inflation. Right. That's exact because it's calculated well, based upon inflation. Well, you know, I'm going to get an email from that. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. You don't think there's inflation? <laughs> what year? It's, yeah. It's, there, well, I, according to what the CPI index. Yeah, that, that the Social Security Administration uses. And you can argue it's not tr- a true, true reflection. Yes, but they I have, would agree with that. Yeah, we, we could, yeah I, me too, actually. But anyway, that's how they do it. So how about this? The, uh, for high-income workers, Joseph, the, uh, the, the FICA tax wage base went from 118500 to 127200 went up about $8,700. So that means that, like, let's say you make $150,000. Last year, your Social Security was only withheld on the first $118,500, and then there is no Social Security after that. 
Now it's 127200 So in other words, more of your money, more of your wages are going to go to the Social Security Administration as a high wage earner. Well, yeah, that increase was, what's that percentage? That's a uh, pretty large that, percentage. That's, that's about a 7% increase, give, yeah. or, give or take, 6 maybe. Anyway, um, now I will say the Medicare part of Social Security. So Social Security, by the way, that's 6.2% of your wages. So if you make 100000 bucks, $6,200 is withheld for Social Security. The Medicare part is 1.45%. So make $100,000, that's $1,450. Now there is no cap on Medicare. So I don't, you know, you're an athlete and you make you got this big contract, ten million bucks. You got to pay the one point four five percent on that whole ten million dollars. Although the six point two Social Security part, that only goes now to the one twenty seven two. Well, with the Affordable Care Act too, isn't there another increased premium on that? That's over a that's certain dollar. Absolutely threshold? right. And and so for a single taxpayer over two hundred thousand, you got to pay an extra point nine percent. And Call for one. Yeah, call it one. Okay, good. I like how you round. Yeah. And then a married couple, that's it's over 250000 So, yeah, you got those amounts as well. Um, 2017, uh, Social Security beneficiaries that are under full retirement age, there's a certain limit as to how much earned income they could have. So 62 to 66, let's Correct. say. If you take it early, you take that permanent haircut but also, if you have earned income, they're also going to reduce that threshold. That's or, right. And for 2017, it's one. It's sixteen thousand nine hundred twenty. So seventeen grand yeah. versus fifteen. That's so. right. It went up about twelve hundred dollars last year. So in other words, you can now earned income. Let's explain that. That's if you have salary. That's a job. That's if you have a business that you're involved with. The self-employment. That's earned income. Now you can be sixty-two and make a million bucks, but it's from investments or whatever. Then that's not necessarily earned income you still get your full Social Security. But if you are working, you're 63 years old, and you've got a job where you're making 50 grand a year, well, you don't need to take your Social Security because you don't get any anyway. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, thanks for tuning in. Hey, got a great guest, Big Al. We got Douglas McCormick on the line. Family Inc., Family Inc. Great I, book. It is a great book. It's all about uh, families and what they ought to be doing with their finances. I mean, it's just looking at it maybe with a different lens when it comes to a family CFO. I mean, yes. you've been a CFO of many companies. I have, and, and, and of course, that, that's why I can relate to the book because I have been a CFO, and I think the CFO function is is critical. Douglas, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks very much. Glad to be here. Hey, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you write the book Family Inc.? Uh, well, I think in many cases, my life experience is, is a, a product of why I think uh, a framework like Family Inc. needs to exist. So, you know, I, I'm an undergrad from West Point. I was an active duty Army officer for five years. And after that time, decided that, um, you know, a military career was not for me. And so I went back to business school at Harvard. And I graduated with a master's degree in finance and then um, worked um, on Wall Street for a couple years. And, you know, really, in spite of all that great experience, never had um, what I consider to be a good kind of foundation in, in personal finance. And so I think uh, today it's one of the biggest problems in America is financial literacy. And our traditional education system is not doing a good job of, of teaching these principles. And so for me, the Family Inc. Uh, kind of framework, if you will, is an elegant way to help people think about 
all the competing choices that they have out there with um, their their assets and their their finances. You know, there's probably at last count personal finance books. There's so many of them out there. It's like if I want to get an exercise book or fitness book, I mean, that's a trillion dollar industry and still we have an obesity problem and there's billions of books out there when it comes to personal finance and we still have a, a you know financial literacy problem. Why is your book different? Well, I think um, my my objective is not to give you answers, but to teach people how to think so they can get their own answers. And, you know, the, the, I think that what is unique about Family Inc. is the fact that it provides people a framework. And essentially, just to, to, for the listener's benefit, the premise of the book is that um, all families could look at themselves like a business. And each family has predominantly two big assets. They have their labor assets and they have their financial assets. And the name of the game is to manage those assets, to, you know, do all the things you want to do in life. And when it's come time to retire, to have, you know, capital to support your consumption. And I think the great thing about that framework is, you know, businesses have been dealing with these kind of decisions um, for many years. There's all kinds of good established best practices. And when you look at the family that way, it really allows you to borrow many of those tools and best practices that have been kind of time tested in business. Doug, uh, give us give us a sample of some of the things that families ought to be looking for or looking to do. Well, um, let me give you some of the big big mistakes in my mind. First of all, I think you can't really talk about financial independence or financial security if you're not thinking about how to maximize your labor potential. And you know, when's the last time financial advisors uh, proactively talked to clients about are they managing their career or are they making good investments in things like education or entrepreneurship? Um, I think another thing the book does a good job of is helping people focus on the right time frame. So, for example, when you think about um, how your career is going or you think about your investment returns, everybody wants to talk about this year or next year or last year. And the reality is um, that game is a many, many year game. And so to think about your performance, not um, in terms of how you got paid this year, but in terms of lifetime compensation, I think that's a very important change in time horizon. Yeah, I think it's also about uh, decisions that you're making as you go along. Sometimes little decisions can make a big difference. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I think one of the things I really preach in the book is a a family CFO's job is much, much broader than simply how you manage your investments or how you budget. You know, it's things like managing your risk. It's things like training the next generation in the family to be good stewards of your capital. And it's things like investments in education and and entrepreneurship. You you know, how you calculate net worth, you're taking a look at, you know, the the value of their labor. You know, that's a pretty interesting way to look at, you know, someone's overall net worth. By doing that, what changes do you think people would make? Well, I think, first of all, it highlights um, a really interesting circumstance for, for many Americans, which is your largest asset is likely your labor. And for you to really accumulate wealth, um, you're likely to do it because you're making good decisions about your labor. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing that's interesting about that, that paradigm is it demonstrates that for um, young people who have the least financial capital, in many cases, they have the most wealth because they've got more time, uh, you know, kind of available to make decisions about um, their careers. You know, when you look at it, Al and I see many, many people, and it's like we ask them, it's like, well, what do you think your biggest asset is? You know, you know, we live in Southern California, and nine times out of ten, what do you think people tell us? It's their home, right? Sure. 
uh, but but it's their ability to earn an income. It's the t- you know two hundred thousand dollar income that they have, and they don't necessarily look at it as an asset in what that potential asset can do for them in regards to wealth. So, um, I, I think if people looked at that a little bit differently, um, maybe the you know the financial crises that people, we're going to see people approaching retirement with barely a nickel to their name, um, it, we might be in a little bit better spot. Yeah, I think the other thing it, it does is it helps you, um, I think, more rigorously think about what the right asset allocation is and what the right risk profile is. So in, in the way I look at net worth, it's not only um, your labor value, but I include things like your house, obviously, but also your expected Social Security. And we can debate the value of your labor. We can debate the benefits of Social Security. But I think in aggregate, we can all agree those are real assets for the family. And so, you know, one of the byproducts of the framework for me is I, I generally recommend folks embrace more equity exposure than uh, traditional advisors would suggest. And I think that's because when you look at all those assets, labor and Social Security behave much more like fixed income or an annuity than they do in equity. And they really are assets that I think um, the family gets to use over the course of that um, retirement period. You know, I I would agree with you 100%. How, How would you calculate that? So for our listeners is saying, all right, well, here, maybe I shouldn't be you know, now that I'm retired, collecting my fixed income, maybe I have a small pension, Social Security, but I'm also maybe heavily weighted in, in, in fixed income, bonds, cash, CDs. How would they look at that maybe a little bit differently uh, from a numbers perspective and say, all right, well, here, I have a certain dollar figure when it comes to my Social Security. H- how would you do that calculation to see what would be the appropriate asset mix in regards to equities? Yeah, so, um, you know, both Social Security and labor, you can roughly calculate similarly, which is you kind of make assumptions about either how long your working career is or um, how long you're likely to live based on, you know, some kind of published life expectancy table. And then you project, you know, what is your either your future income and some kind of growth rate and some kind of tax rate or in Social Security, you project what your future benefit is and you essentially discount that back um, with some adjustment for inflation. Uh, And so what I would tell you is, um, first of all, on FamilyInc.com, there's calculators for both your labor and your Social Security. So I, I've tried to make that relatively easy. The second is, I promise you, the estimate you come up with will be wrong. And it's less about projecting a specific number and more about thinking about that asset in the context of your overall plan, because it's going to be directionally right. Right. And um, one last thing, West Point. Uh, a little Army-Navy game? Did you get us? Oh, man, i tell you what. Um, I, it was a long time coming, and I'm very happy for the win. Having said that, I'm going to do my best to be humble because we are 1-15, and and so um, I'm going to take my win and, and hope that we're on a good trend line. That was a phenomenal game, man. That was, um, yeah, I was definitely yeah. um, rooting for, you know, we're in San Diego, so we're a big Navy town. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, but well, big military was, town, I would say. You know, uh, it, with the, it was a great game, and I'll tell you, I think the thing that's even better than the game is the school spirit and the way these young men and women, um, you know, really um, embrace what is best about about our country. Hey, one last thing, I guess, is that we have a lot of military that um, you know that that live here in San Diego. And when you look at that, um, and, and of course you went, um, you, you served our country, which thank you very much for doing that. But I think military individuals have a little bit tougher time when it comes to 
um, you know, when it comes to financial planning and financial literacy, in a sense, because they might be traveling and then maybe they're married and maybe the spouse can't work because they're constantly moving. I mean, what's some, what advice would you give our servicemen and women here? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for asking. One of my primary objectives for doing the book is uh, to support the military community um, and the veteran community with um, a good framework to help think about nav- navigating transition. And I think, first of all, the big thing I'd say for the military community is you have to acknowledge that your circumstances are different from mainstream America, and so your plan must be different. And you mentioned some of those, some of those differences. You know, 83% of veterans will transition uh, pre-retirement with no retirement benefit. Um, most veterans uh, start a family slightly earlier. They have a less professionally developed network because of frequent moves given the military. Uh, and in many cases, the spouses are unemployed or underemployed. And so understanding all those things, as well as the unique assets that veterans have, like this tremendous experience and the GI Bill, um, you know, they, they can have you know, what I believe to be um, really good economic prospects, but it really starts with understanding those differences. I think the family work framework um, can also be applied to their circumstances. um, Here's what I want to do. Anyone that has served our country um, and call our number, I will buy you personally a book of Family Inc. Uh, Here's the number, 888-994-6257. Call that number. Um, and then Alan will buy that book oh, um, for, <laughs> for anyone that has served our country. I will, uh, it's a, it, it's a great read, it's, it's, it, it, and it's so logical. Um, Doug, thank you so much uh, for your service. Thank you so much for writing this book, and uh, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thank you for the, the kind words and the, the very generous offer for our veteran community. Appreciate it. All right. Chill, Scott, your money or well. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, uh, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner. Big Al, Clopine, CPA. Favorite part of the program is that we're uh, about to take some email questions from a little site called Investopedia. Have you ever check it out? I mean, it's a pretty good site. Um, they send me questions. They say, hey, some people submitted a bunch of questions. Can you answer them? I say, sure. We say it on the air, and then we have a little talk. Because some of these questions are kind of funny. They are funny, and some are, are, I'd say in most cases, we don't quite have enough information, but we do our best with what we have. Yeah, so we can stretch these things out. (laughs) Or you can just switch the station right now. (laughs) Sure, but I think most people love this stuff, Al, because they might have a similar question. Well, you're right about that, and maybe they're afraid to ask. All right, let's, uh, let's get to this. Okay, what do you got? All right. I am uh, currently contributing to a company-sponsored 401k plan. Okay. I contribute 8% um, annual salary of 60K, Okay. Uh, which comes out to $4,800 per year. Okay. Can I also set up and contribute to a Roth IRA? If so, what can I contribute? Okay. The Roth IRA, that's the, root, the answer is absolutely yes. So Roth IRA, you can contribute... $5,500 uh, per year. Now, if you're 50 and older, you get a $1,000 catch-up, so you can do $6,500. You know what, though, Joe? Your 401k, there, his, his, his or her 401k may have a Roth option on it, right? right? And then in that case, you can contribute, if you're under 50, $18,000 total. You already got 4800 in. Let's call it 5000 just easy math. So you can do about another $13,000 in the Roth side of your 401k if it has that option. Make sixty grand, Al. 
I know, but maybe, <laughs> so, maybe just jam maybe, everything that you make. Maybe he listened, into your retirement account. Maybe he listened to the extreme savings segment. <laughs> yeah, a yeah couple, exactly. A couple segments yeah. ago. Anyone that going, asks a question, he's going. He's going. Yeah, Big Al, I want to do extreme savings. Where should I put it? Let's do this. Uh, he's at eight percent, and then he wants to go Roth IRA. I think that's good. But here, I guess the point of this is if you fully fund a 401k, you can fully fund a Roth IRA if you're under the income limits. Correct. Right? So there's qualifications for the Roth IRA. 2017, Al, do you know the numbers? Uh, no, but it's 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 about 118,000, I think, is where it starts phasing Probably 118, out. 134 for yeah, single. I think that's the phase out for single. For married, it's probably 185 to 195. They, they probably increase it a buck. We're, we know last year, so we're adding 1,000 to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so um, so th- that's a good point. Is both plans can be funded, also yeah. spousal uh, plans. So let's say this is that you have one spouse working, one that is not working, right? <clears throat> you contribute to your four hundred one k. You can also contribute to a Roth IRA. Your spouse that's not working could also contribute to a Roth IRA, right. even though that that spouse doesn't have earned income. Yeah, yeah, you can use the spousal income. So in this example, let's say he or she is under 50. So that's $18,000 into the 401k, $5,500 into uh, his or her uh, Roth IRA, and then the spouse could do $5,500. So man, now we're up to about 29,000 bucks, if you want to, into retirement accounts. Our stock dividends and stock splits taxed. Okay, uh, that's the question. That is the question. Stock dividends are taxed, uh, and I they may be referring to I got a I got a dividend in a stock, but I, I'm reinvesting it. Maybe that's what they're thinking. And so when that happens, is it's as if you received the cash and then put it back and bought shares. That's how this works with stock dividends. So yes, those are taxable, and. What was the second part? Stock splits. Stock splits. Stock splits. No, there's no taxation on stock splits. So, because nothing really happens. Yeah. What the, your stock price changes. So so let's say you got ten thousand shares, uh, and it's a dollar share, ten thousand bucks. It splits. Now you got twenty thousand shares, but now it's fifty cents a share, right? So that's that's how it it just changes the amount of shares that you have, what they're worth, and your cost basis per share. Everything just changes pro rata. Right. The dollar figure doesn't change, so there would not be a taxable event. Correct. Because as Al said, let's say if it's a dollar share, ten thousand shares, that's ten thousand dollars. Well it splits. Now it's fifty bu- or fifty cents a share. And you got right. twenty thousand shares. shares. You still have ten thousand dollars of value. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah, there's no taxable consequence there. But yeah, the good point with stock dividends is that they don't necessarily most people don't realize it until they get that ten ninety nine, right, from the custodian or, right. or the, the, the company until the it's just like, Well, I didn't receive any income. Yeah, why do I have to pay tax? Why do I have to pay tax? And so there's those stock dividends, yeah, and and so here, here's what's interesting. People don't realize this when you're when you're reinvesting, it's like you're you're taking that income and buying back into that same investment. And so then when you sell it, your cost basis is going up because you're investing in it each and every quarter. Let's say as you receive those dividends. Uh, another, so, I'm so, so I'm just going to say, so you bought an investment for ten thousand bucks, and and five years later you sell it. Well, maybe your tax basis is eleven thousand or twelve thousand because of all these stock dividends. So. Yes, it's tax, but it also increases your tax basis. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of a weird term, but that's true. So it means when you do sell that investment, you'll have less gain. Right, because, because you, already, you, you already paid some tax on you it. You kind of pay tax along the way. As you go. 
couple of things too with dividends. Um, it depends on what the portfolio looks like because you're only taxed on dividends if it's outside of a retirement account. True. If it's inside your IRA, 401k, and there's dividends that are distributed, um, and then you reinvest those dividends, it's a tax-deferred account. You're not going to pay taxes on that until you distribute money from the account, then you're taxed at full, I mean, ordinary, ordinary income. Right. If you have qualified dividends, now you have a special capital gains rate yeah, versus non-qualified dividends. That is true, and that's a fairly new concept, Joe. Maybe, I don't know, a decade ago, we qualified dividends came. It was, it was during President Bush, George W. Bush. This new concept, maybe it was 15 years ago, I don't know, uh, where a dividend that you receive from a U.S. company gets preferential treatment, gets preferential capital gain treatment, which is a lower tax rate. The tax rate for capital gains for most people is 15%. Some people pay 20% if they're in a high bracket. Some people actually pay nothing if they're in a low enough tax bracket. But that's a lot better than the regular tax rates that currently go up to 39.6%. So to get that preferential treatment is great. Now, that's if it's outside of a retirement account, if it's inside of your retirement account, there's no preferential treatment. When you take money out of your IRA or 401k, it's taxed as ordinary income in all cases, unless, I should, shouldn't say all, unless you have basis. In other words, maybe you open up an IRA where you, where you are not allowed to take a tax deduction so that when you pull money out of that IRA, not all of it's taxable because you didn't get some benefit when you put the money in. There's another case, too. Okay. If I have company stock inside my 401k plan. Oh, that's true. And UA, you, you ought to go there? <laughs> I guess so. What the hell? <laughs> so, yeah. in, t- in two minutes or less. But uh, yeah, so let's say if you have company stock inside your 401k plan, another strategy that you could do is you could take that s- stock, right, out of the 401k plan, put it into a brokerage account. You pay tax on the basis, so whatever you paid for. Let's say you paid a dollar share, and now it's trading at $10 a share. Well, if you move the share out, you pay a tax on a dollar, but there's still $9 of appreciation because now the, the, the stock is worth $10 a share. Right. So you pay tax on the buck, but then that $9 of appreciation now is taxed at capital gains rate versus ordinary income coming out of the retirement account. So net unrealized appreciation is another phenomenal strategy to get that tax diversification that people need um, in regards to creating that income in retirement. Yeah, Joe, and and that has to be a 401k only. It can't be company stock in your IRA. And if you roll over your 401k to an IRA, that strategy is lost. So if you are near retirement and have company stock, net unrealized appreciation is something that you absolutely want to think about. Because, Joe, taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. In fact, when you start tapping your retirement nest egg, it comes with all sorts of new rules, but also opportunities. So think about this. Instead of contributing to your tax-deferred plans that reduce reduce your taxes, you start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rate. So as you near retirement, tax planning actually becomes more important than ever. But you must use a forward-thinking tax strategy. If you're just thinking about taxes at one year at a time in a silo, you, you could make some big mistakes because... Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, wrapping things up here on Your Money, Your Wealth. My name is Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Klopin. He is a CPA. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in. I have an um, interesting one here. Okay. Can I use life insurance like a Roth IRA? Okay. Okay. All right. I make too much money to contribute to a Roth IRA. However, I would like to save more in a tax saver manner okay okay i've 
the tech, spelling's not that great. Tax efficient manner, I think, is what they meant. <laughs> yeah, but we'll roll. go with tax saving manner. Uh, Sabor. Sabor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've heard I can use life insurance like a Roth. How do I do this, and is it a good idea? Oh, that's a great question. Well, <laughs> I'll start with the answer is yes, you can. And then, Joe, you can say why it may or may not be a good idea. So, so certain life insurance policies allow you to put more money into them than the actual life insurance premium. So you start building up a cash surrender value. And you can, in, in many cases, invest that how you see fit. It grows inside that life insurance policy. There is no current taxation. And then you get to a point where you retire. It's a, If it's a big enough balance, you can actually borrow against that. Uh, and that's tax-free. So it's kind of, in essence, like a Roth IRA. And you do hear a lot of life insurance agents talking about this. But there's some there's some issues there. Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to any type of strategy that you take a look at. So if you look at it on the surface, it's like, Alan, he, you know, I don't know if you listened to a couple episodes ago, but the big wallet on Big Al. <laughs> well, that's what you inferred because I did a 15-year mortgage and, I, and I'm fully funding fully, my 401k. Fully funding this 401k, so I must be making backdoor a, Roth IRAs I must be and just jamming all this money everywhere. It's like, wow, look at the big wallet on Big Al. <laughs> so... So, um, all right, so Big Al, right? He, he makes a lot of money, and he's already fully funding his 401k plan. Yeah. He's jamming a bunch of money towards mortgage. He's going to be debt-free before you know it. It's like, all right, well, where else can I save some money? I really like tax-free. So, all right, well, here, how about you do this? You can take X amount of dollars after tax, just like a Roth. It can go into an account. It will grow tax-deferred, and when you pull it out, it will be tax-free. But with this particular strategy, there's no 59.5% you know, 10% penalty if you pull it out prior to 59 and a half. There's no limits to your income. You can make as much as you want. You could fund it with, you know, there's no $5,500 limit. You could put $10,000, 20000 $100,000 a year into this particular product. All of that grows tax-free. And then when you pull it out, you get a tax-free income for life. Okay, so sounds great. So, right? Yeah. But there's a cost to this. It's called the cost of insurance. And it's not as glamorous as it might sound, as I just explained it, because you have to really dive into the details here, right? Because A, first of all, it's an after-tax contribution. So if you're in a high tax bracket, you have to put that into effect. If you have other retirement accounts, why don't you do that and do a Roth conversion, right? Because you're paying tax to get into a tax-free vehicle with no cost of insurance. A, then you get into the cost and fees and the structure of the you know those policies. They're very, very expensive, um, like just the mutual fund charges and the type of investments. Oh, unless you get into like an indexed UL or whatever. Um, just a full um, disclosure, Al and I do not sell life insurance. We're not licensed insurance people. We're just very knowledgeable about all sorts of different financial planning strategies. There you go. Yes, compliance. That's, that's compliance. Good job. So, yes. So I think it's sold like that. It was like, okay, well, here, it's like a super Roth IRA. I've heard terms like that right or you know they call it i forget under what section of the 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 irs code that life insurance death benefit is tax-free so they say well what about an hr 147 plan or whatever the the, the yeah, code is, it, is is it 419 or 412 the, or the 412i's and the 419's all those blew the, up too right up. yeah you're right yeah and this is very um common in the I, I think in the financial planning life insurance world of using these particular products sure you could use a variable universal life and index universal life um, I'm not saying that sometimes it may work I would say 90% of the policies that Alan I have seen with a strategy like that they didn't fund them correctly 
they were over um, exaggerated in regards to right how much that that policy would actually earn in form of rate of return. Right, because when you get the policy, you get what's called an illustration that assumes that you are going to earn 8% or whatever the number is that the agent put in there for you. And you're thinking, oh, I'm going to earn 8%. And you're right, Joe, these, these uh, life insurance products generally have some fairly high costs, and it's it, part of it's the cost of life insurance right, itself. Right, because as I, as I age, right. so when, uh, the, the cost of insurance increases because I'm closer to my life expectancy. Right, and so, yeah, you, you, you don't realize that. So now you're 70, ready to start pulling money out, but the cost of life insurance to keep this policy in force goes up each and every year. And so that's honestly what we've seen is, is more often than not, it's, you don't quite get the benefit that you thought you were going to get. Right, because a, it might have been illustrated to say, hey, this thing is going to earn 10% gross, but then net of all fees, it's only like five. Right. Right, And then and, they don't fully fund it, right? Because the illustration shows, hey, you have to fund this thing by you know $40,000 for the next 20 years. Right. And then guess what? After two years, stop they don't. They stop doing it, and then they keep that $80,000 into the overall policy. They got a million, to, you know, couple million dollar death benefit so there's i would say there's more cons than pros Uh, i would highly suggest you talk to a independent um like fiduciary that doesn't sell life insurance because if you go to another life insurance agent to say hey does this make sense they're gonna say yeah but this policy stinks buy this one yeah i got a better one i got a better one yeah i think is it fair to say that that most fiduciary fee only financial planners would probably not recommend this strategy. I would say that is equivocally 100% they, they would never recommend that strategy. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree with you. And, and we are fee-only It's it, because, in other words, there's no commission to be earned. If, if someone has a commission... Because I can... I, I tell you what, Al, is that to, to look at what that individual's trying to do, there's better ways to, to create that income. Plus, let's say if I have a non-qualified account, all right? So the taxation on exchange-traded funds or institutional-type shares or even individual securities, the taxation on that is very, very low. If you have actively managed loaded funds, right, which I'm sure a life insurance agent might also recommend to you, they have a high turnover, and then the taxation on those outside of retirement accounts cause unnecessary tax, and it puts a weight down on the overall portfolio. So they'll say, no, you can shelter it. It'll grow tax-deferred for you, so all that growth will continue to go in the policy. But nowadays, I mean, you could be extremely tax efficient in your brokerage account by tax loss harvesting, tax gain harvesting, using different investment vehicles that don't create that tax. And then then you look at, all right, well, here, do I have a large IRA or 401k or 403b or TSP balance? I can convert that into a Roth IRA and have that grow 100% tax-free. It will give you the same impact without the huge cost of insurance and all the internal costs and fees. Right, because I mean, you're, you're paying for that insurance even if you don't really want it. Right. You're, you're, you're trying to create tax-free income income. Well, yes, the life insurance contract will do that. But if you, if there's no need for the insurance, absolutely don't do this. But if you do need the insurance, it may work. May, may. <laughs> Can I stretch that thing up? May work. May work. That's, that's right. So, you know, never say never. Yeah, that's true. And, and I'm sure it, it has worked from time to time. Our experience is it doesn't generally work as promised. Yes, I would agree with that statement. Wow, we spent 10 minutes on life insurance. Yeah, we did. All right. (laughs) Didn't expect to. Go see your insurance agent, I guess. (laughs) All right.
Hey, um, hopefully you enjoyed the program. Um, Al and I certainly enjoy doing it every week. Well, every other week, usually. We're have a little energy today. Next yeah. week, we'll probably be... Be awful. Awful. <laughs> or upset with each other. Or yeah, something. Um, something like that. All right, we got to go. Uh, time's up. Hey, have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week. Uh, we got more great guests lined up. Uh, for Big Al Clopin, I'm Joe Anderson. Check out purefinancial.com for more information about us. And we'll see you next week.